You know, every so uh, often in our lives, we find ourselves in what we call a win-win situation. You know, a situation where there's two ways it can go, but either one of them you're happy with. Either one of them is going to go well for you. For example, maybe you're in college and you want to drop a, a class and you discover that uh, maybe say economics, you're going to take another economics class. And, and during that hour, there are two other options listed. Same curriculum, but but either one of them you feel good about. One of them has the most popular teacher on campus. Everybody loves him, makes things fun, interesting. You learn a lot. The other class, you know, your best friend is enrolled and there's a cute girl you've been wanting to get to know who is in the class as well. Either way. Win-win. Maybe you're in a different stage of life. You're married, and uh, let's say this scenario. Your, your wife is trying to get a day off next week so that the two of you can go to Wichita for the day, maybe shop, uh, go to a movie, go to dinner, but she's not sure she can get it off. If she doesn't get it off, you know two of your best friends are going to Kansas City to go to a Royals game. Either way, it's win-win, right? Or maybe you're a little bit farther along in life. Your grandparents, your empty nesters, and your kids live out of state. The holidays are approaching, and they call you and say, hey, our vacation money this year we've saved, we're going to spend it one of two ways. We're not sure how to do, what to do with it. We um, are thinking of flying back to Salina with our kids and spending Thanksgiving with you. Or we're considering flying you to Florida, and we'll meet you there, and we'll go to Disney World together. Either way, it's a win-win. Today we find the Apostle Paul in what he describes as a win-win situation. We're continuing our sermon series from Philippians we started last week. And in this part of Philippians chapter 1, and actually throughout the whole book, um, the, we find ourselves where Paul is describing a situation where he says, either way it goes. It's, it's great. It's a win-win for me. The scenario is this. He's sitting in prison. He's under house arrest. He's chained to a guard 24-7. He's facing trial before Caesar. And this trial, depending on how it goes, he could either be released and be set free to continue life, or he could be convicted and executed. And Paul says, looking at these two options, he says, hey, I can't lose. They're both great. It's a win-win situation. And we step back and say, how could that be a win-win? I mean, if I'm sitting in prison and uh, I'm waiting trial and I know that if it goes one way, I'm released. I can go on with my life, do what I want, with whom I want, live where I want. Or the other one is going to lead to my imprisonment and then death. I think I'd see one as a really big win and see one as a really big loss. But Paul doesn't. He says, death or life... Go to be the Lord, stay here. Both good. Win-win. How does he have that perspective? In the midst of his circumstances, how can he state that and write that? Let's take a look at verses 12 through 14. We're going to work our way through certain sections of this. And it says, Now I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard And to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Now, the key to to Paul's attitude toward life or death is here in verse 12. He says, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. You see, for Paul, the most important thing 
what he wants more than anything else in life, his mission in life is for the gospel to be advanced. The gospel, of course, being the good news that Jesus Christ died for us so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. That that same Jesus Christ defeated death and rose from the grave, that gospel, the most important thing to him is that the good news of Christ be advanced through his life or through his death. Either one doesn't matter to him. And Paul views all his circumstances this way. He asks the question, how is this helping to advance the gospel? How can my situation be used to bring other people to faith in Christ? How can I be an encouragement to others in Christ? You see his perspective here in verses 13 and 14. We know from other scripture that some of the bodyguards, some of the prisoners, are one to faith in Christ. That's a win. Secondly, he says that many of the, of the, of the believers in Rome are now preaching and sharing the word of God more boldly than ever before. That's a win. Paul is filled with joy over this. He's in prison. People come to Christ. Believers are encouraged. He takes the lemon of his circumstances and, and he allows God to squeeze it and out comes something very sweet and beautiful, the spread of the gospel. And Paul has the same attitude, the same response when facing his trial. I'm convicted and put to death. I get to be with Jesus. And the gospel is advanced. I get set free and get to live longer. I get to preach and share Christ with others. And the gospel is advanced. You see, Paul knows that at his trial, he will have the opportunity to share about Christ in a very influential place before Caesar, the most important and powerful man in the known world. And that's exciting for Paul. He's looking forward to that. His whole life is about Christ. His whole life was about sharing Christ. And now he gets the opportunity to do it in front of the most important man in the world. And because of that, Paul feels that, hey, after, after I get the opportunity to do that, whatever Caesar decides, that's cool with me. Whether it leads to life or death, it's win-win. Now, in our culture here in 21st century America, we, that runs counter to what we typically believe. After all, we believe that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We, we do not want to deal with death. We want to put it off as long as possible. We certainly don't see it as a win. And yet Paul did because, in a sense, he's already died. No doubt he knew very well the call of Jesus found in Mark chapter 8. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Paul's already died. He's already made the decision that he would spend his life living for Jesus. And if necessary, he would die for him. And eventually, he did. He dies to self each and every day, putting his desires and his agenda to death and letting Christ live in him and through him. All for the sake of the advancement of the gospel. His desire for personal comfort, for a nice house in the burbs, for a comfortable retirement, for a long life of ease spent with family and friends, dead, subjugated, secondary to the goal of sharing Christ with others. He's a dead man walking, dead to himself but alive and walking through the power and person and presence of Jesus Christ. Paul's perspective is stated in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, 
but Christ lives in me. There's a story about a man named Metsi Nabaj, uh, an Iranian Christian who had Paul's perspective about life and death. In 1984, he was imprisoned for the crime of converting from Islam to faith in Christ. For 10 years, he languished in prison awaiting trial. For his defense, he wrote a simple, straightforward statement of his faith in Christ, which was read before the court. I quote, Jesus Christ is my Savior, and he is the Son of God. To know him means to know eternal life. I, a useless sinner, have believed in his beloved person and all his words and miracles recorded in the gospel, and I've committed my life into his hands. Life for me is an opportunity to serve him, and death is a better opportunity to be with Christ. Therefore, I am not only satisfied to be in prison for the honor of his holy name, but I am ready to give my life for the sake of Jesus my Lord. He was sentenced to death. Under intense pressure from the U.S. government, he was released, but seven months later he was found murdered in a park. But today there are many, many Iranians who have come to faith since his death. For me to live as Christ, Paul wrote, and to live as gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Life or death, Paul says, it's win-win. As long as the gospel is advanced. Which is easy to say, right? Somewhat harder to believe at times. Perhaps very hard for some of us when we face it. Romans 12.1 challenges us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God. But of course the problem with the living sacrifice is it crawls off the altar from now time to time. But we are to keep working at it, letting Christ live within us and work within us, shaping us, changing us so that we too, like Paul and like Matey, become dead to ourselves but alive to Christ. You know, as you read through Philippians, it's kind of odd because we know his circumstances, we admire his courage, uh, and yet his attitude of perspective isn't, well, I got dealt a bad hand and I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going to do this and persevere even if it kills me. Rather, it's a joyful, I can't lose. It's a great scenario. Either way, I can't lose. We can learn a lot from Paul about how to respond to all sorts of circumstances in our lives. His joy was not dependent upon his circumstances. His joy came completely from Jesus Christ. And he's able to have joy in all things, even when facing death and persecution and suffering, because he knew that Jesus was being glorified. He knew that the gospel was being advanced. And that was more than enough reason to fill him with joy. Author Randy Alcorn, in one of his books, recalled a two-month mission trip that he and his family took some years ago that included a visit to Egypt. While in Egypt, Alcorn's host took him to visit an abandoned graveyard located at the end of a garbage-filled alley. The host pointed out one tombstone in particular, that of William Borden, born 1887, died in 1913, according to the tombstone. Uh, he was also the heir to the Borden Dairy Estate. He was a millionaire by age 21, but he renounced his fortune, giving nearly all his wealth to missions. His heart's desire was to take the gospel to Muslims who were living in China. 
And so on his way to China, he stopped in Egypt to study the Arabic language so he could communicate with them. But then four months later, he contracted spinal meningitis and he died at the age of 25. Alcorn writes, I dusted off the inscription on the headstone of Borden's grave. After describing his love for Christ and his commitment to and his love for the Muslim people, the inscription ended with some words I wrote down on the spot. I've never forgotten them to this day. The inscription ended with, apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Alcorn then wrote, and I thought, Lord, what's the explanation for my life? Paul's words from Philippians 1 challenge us today to ask the question, to this point in my life, what's the explanation for my life? At the end of our life, whenever it may come, what will be the explanation for our lives? We may not be called to give up a fortune and travel overseas, dying at a much too young age. We may not be called to face a trial that leads to a death sentence. We may not face imprisonment, but we are called daily to have this attitude, whether I live or whether I die, whatever the circumstances of my life, I trust you, for I have already died and now I'm alive in you, Jesus. So when we face cancer with peace and faith and even joy because God is using it to, in our life to point others to Jesus, may people ask, what's the explanation for this life? When we face financial ruin and hardship, the loss of a job or business, when we face it with peace and faith and yes, even joy because it gives us an opportunity to demonstrate that our trust is not in possessions, not in wealth, but rather in Jesus, may people ask, what's the explanation for his life, for her life? When we face crippling, life-altering health issues, when we face it with peace and faith, and yes, even joy, because it gives us the chance to show people that our strength is in the Lord, not in the quality of our health, may people ask, what's the explanation for such a life? And when we face death, whether sooner or later, when we face it with peace and faith, and yes, even joy, because we know it's a win-win, may people ask, What's the explanation for such a life? For to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word that is truth and life. We thank you that you reveal yourself through your son, Jesus Christ, through the creation around us, and certainly through your word. We thank you, Father, for your faithful servant, Paul, uh, for the example he has set for us, for his perspective, uh, that whether he lived or whether he died, it was a win-win because he knew that Jesus Christ would be exalted and, and the gospel would be advanced. Father, I do not know the circumstances of each person here today, but Lord, I pray that... Um, you would help each of us to learn to depend upon you for joy, not upon our circumstances. That you'd help us to have your perspective, regardless of what's going on in our life, that, that to look for ways that you are using those to shape us, to challenge us, to change us, and to impact other people through those circumstances. Lord, we thank you that Jesus Christ gave his life for us 
So Lord, now help us to give our lives for Him. And may at the end of our life, in the midst of difficult circumstances as well, that may people step back and see something different about how we respond, our attitude and perspective. And say, what is the explanation for that life? We thank you, Lord, and we offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.